When it comes to lures, everybody's got their favorite, their secret lure, the one they learned from their grandpa or they saw on the internet or whatever it might be. Everyone's got that one lure they think will catch everything that swims. But the difference is I actually do have that one lure that catches everything that swims. And that's what we're going to talk about on this next episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. All right, guys, so Lachance here once again. Thanks for joining us on Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I am hesitant to, to throw this one out there because everyone seems to think that they have the most versatile lure of all. And when I say that I actually do have that lure, I'm not the only one that has it. Don't get me wrong, a lot of people do. It's just that I've taken it to the extreme, and if you're a hardcore fan of Fishful Tanker, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you'll already know what I'm going to talk about. And for the record, on the lure that I'm going to talk about here, I am now up to 78 species on the same lure. And if you're a listener out there and you've documented more than that on any one single lure, I would love to see it because I've been keeping notes on it for a long time when it started kind of building a head of steam 10 years ago. Something I started to do on purpose. And when I started to fish with this particular lure on purpose, trying to see how many species I could catch, what I figured out is if I just keep it in my hands and keep throwing it, I catch all kinds of fish in all my travels everywhere I go on any type of structure and any depth of water, running water, salt water, reservoirs, ponds, irrigation ditches, it doesn't matter. It's going to catch you some fish. And that's why I feel like that I actually have the most versatile lure of all. And the ironic part of the whole thing is it's extremely cheap, um, extremely easy to rig. The only difference is it's up to you as an angler to present it well. If you're a hardcore fan, you know I'm talking about the small but mighty gulp minnow. The gulp minnow is made by Berkeley. came out sometime around 2005, if memory serves me correctly, four or five, somewhere in that range. I was an early adopter. The first ones I got from Berkeley literally came, I was working with Berkeley with some of the folks on the ground uh, in my region here in Colorado. And a regional sales rep showed up at my house with this new bait and he had him in a little Ziploc bag. And he says, what do you, what do you think of this bait? I looked at him and like, well, it looks really simple, a pretty straightforward little, little bait. How do you fish it? Well, he, he says, well, they, they tell me it's supposed to go on a jig head. All right, so we got some jig heads out, and we tied it on, and I caught a walleye on the first drop with it, and I'm not exaggerating. The first time I took a gold minnow, it was a three-inch gold minnow, I stuck it on an eight-ounce jig head that had, had previously stuffed in a tube jig. It was a regular ball head jig. I cut the tube jig off, pulled the jig head out, stuck the gold minnow on the jig head and dropped it right back to the bottom and stroked a walleye right off the bat. And my love affair with the gold minnow kind of grew from there. Um, why I say it's so versatile is simple. Big fish eat little fish. It, it almost doesn't matter what kind of sport fish you want to catch. They eat fish that are smaller than them. And so for, for me to make sure that what I'm throwing is in the ballpark of what they will eat, a little fish is going to do that always. Anyone that's ever fished with minnows will understand that you'll get bites from a lot of different species of fish by doing that. It doesn't matter if I'm fishing for bluegills or I'm fishing for tarpon. All of them will eat fish smaller than them, and that's so important, and that's part of the reason why the gulp minnow is so good. Another part of the reason is... 
because it's made of gulp. And gulp is a basically water-based biodegradable resin. I don't even know exactly what gulp is made out of. I've had long conversations with John Prochnow, the chemist that produced gulp, that came up with it, spent 20 years of his life trying to figure out how to make gulp. I've had long talks with the product managers at Berkeley. I've been to the factory where they make the gulp and they won't let you look at it. (laughs) So I don't know exactly what's in the stuff, but I do know that if you cut it up in little pieces and put it in a fish tank with the channel cat, he'll swim around and eat it all. So I consider catfish as be one of the more tuned in fish when it comes to scent and flavor, right? They're catfish. They have whiskers. that can detect that in the water column. They can detect like minimal parts per million in the water column. So it stands to reason if a catfish will eat it, that's a good sign. So the, the thing about the gold minnow is it tastes right. If a fish gets it in his mouth, he's going to taste the amino acid content that's in that liquid, that slimy liquid that nobody likes. It comes in gulp. That liquid's no fun. I promise you, I get it. It's been all over my boat for many, many years. The good thing is it's water-based. It does come off. Um, But yeah, it's not the most fun stuff to have around unless you just really like to catch fish, at which point it's great to have lots of it around. And I even tricked my catfish by taking just a squeeze dropper, a little dropper, and putting a few drops of gulp liquid in the fish tank with no actual gulp, just a couple of drops of liquid. And the poor catfish will go nuts looking for for what what he can smell but can't find. So that tells me that that liquid is really important. And you may say, okay, well, I fish for trout, and they're predominantly sight feeders. Yeah, they are. But trout love to taste stuff. They'll come up and bump something and taste it. If, if I can take the demo tank at the International Sportsman's Exposition, and I can hold a trout, hold a goat minnow as still as I can possibly hold it on the, off the tip of a fishing rod in the water, trout will come up and bump it, taste it. Oh, yeah, it's good. Spin around and choke it. Really important that they will do that. That's another part of the reason the gulp minnow is so good. Another part of the reason is it has no extraneous moving parts. And again, the scientists at Berkeley, if you've never had a chance to look up the Berkeley labs that are in Spirit Lake, Iowa, um, you should do so. Our YouTube video at Fishful Thinker, yes, that's a gratuitous plug. Uh, We've got videos there from inside the lab where products are tested on fish, amongst other things. Uh, they're tested for scent dispersion, they're tested for flavor, they're tested for color steadfastness, and all of that. It's amazing. For a guy with any kind of a scientific brain, it's amazing. Um, The more moving parts they put on a bait or on a soft plastic bait, the more appendages that are on it, the more it goes, the number of bites, the fish that will bite it goes down. So in other words, if I take an ultra-realistic crayfish it's got eight legs and two big claws and big giant antenna and eyeballs and all that stuff uh, and looks just perfectly real it's not going to get as many bites and they've proven that they're not going to get as many bites as something like a ned rig which has no moving parts no appendages basically no built-in action at all Um, and i think part of the reason is the easy to swallow i did a test one time on a bass in a fish tank and this bass was tame, and I'd had him in there for years, and I dropped crayfish in there. You drop a crayfish in there that has both of its claws, that crayfish might live for a while. I mean, he might, he might actually take over and live in your fish tank and dig a hole and make himself comfortable and dig up your fish tank and make a mess. If you drop a crayfish in your tank that only has one claw on it, well, he's got a couple of minutes. He might be able to defend himself. He'll get in a corner somewhere, back up against a plant, defend himself a little bit, and the fish will be a little more hesitant to grab him, but they'll still get him eventually. 
You take both claws off and they rarely even make it to the bottom. You drop that same crayfish in there and if both of his claws are gone, the fish recognize immediately that he is not a threat and they'll eat him immediately. So I, I did that in response to being told by the folks at Berkeley that, well, geez, the best lure has no appendages of any kind. So then the obvious question becomes, well, Mr. Prochnow, why do you put appendages in all these different fancy soft plastics that you produce? Because we got to catch fishermen with them, for starters. And for two, a certain amount of action can help fish locate your bait. But once your bait is located, the less stuff that's on it, the more bites you're going to get. The gold minnow has no stuff on it, so to speak. It's just a straight little body, um, very, very similar to a Ned Rig that I just mentioned. In fact, I joke about it being a pointy Ned Rig when people ask me why I don't fish Ned Rigs, rigs more. Uh, Ned Rig's all about how you fish as much as anything else. It's a, it's a close to a do-nothing rig. And a gold minnow, if you fish it accordingly, will will run step and step with a, with a Ned Rig in any scenario that I've, that I've tried them. So that can be important there. The other thing that's good about the gold minnow is it's available in extremely natural colors. So I can I can be hyper realistic in my presentation. A, a plain three inch smelt gold minnow is about as close to a universal bait as you're ever going to find, because it looks like a general fish. It smells and tastes like a general fish. It's the right size that everybody will eat it. And it's just like a, it's like a piece of candy or a potato chip. It's not, you don't even have to be hungry. You'll eat it because it's only a bite. It's not a big deal. In fact, one of the biggest tarpon I've ever hooked uh, bit a three-inch gold minnow on an eight-ounce jig head. And I was fishing for snappers, uh, working my way down a seawall, throwing at snappers. And we were catching mangrove snappers about a foot to 15 inches long for dinner. And that little gold minnow is perfect for that. Well, okay, great. But I looked down, and holy smokes, there's three tarpon going right under the boat in the nice crystal clear incoming current. And I'm like, holy smokes, look at those tarpon. I turn around and throw that gold minnow. One of them saw it, and he turned 90 degrees out of his path as soon as it sunk into his vision and sucked it down like he'd never seen a lure in his life. Now, if you've thrown at very many tarpon, you know they don't do that very often. But the little three-inch minnow is just too easy. It's just too easy for him to catch and eat. And he's got to try it. Uh, and so you're talking about a fish that's six or seven feet long that moved out of his way to eat a three-inch gold minnow. Conversely, let's say something like a bluegill or a yellow perch that's a very timid feeder because he's just as much of a prey fish as he is a predator fish. I can buy a one-inch gold minnow, a little tiny one gold minnow. And now I've got a fish that's small enough that those bluegills will eat and, and yellow perch will eat by the ton. So I'll put a stacker rig together with that, a drop shot with a couple of hooks above it, and nose hook some one-inch gold minnows, and lo and behold, you'll catch bluegills and yellow perch, no problem. Uh, in Colorado, you're limited to three hooks. In Florida, you could do it sabiki rig style, where you could have, I think, eight is the law there, um, and you catch a whole pile of perch doing that just by dropping it down. As soon as one bites, all of his buddies will grab the rest of the, of the one-inch gold minnows. So it works out pretty slick. Conversely, they're available all the way up to four inch range. So, a one inch, two and a half inch, three inch, and four inch are the are the four standard sizes of a gold minnow, which effectively lets me cover anything from, say, pike size species, snook. A four inch gold minnow on a quarter ounce out jig head is a fantastic snook bait. Um, you know, four inch one's good for pike. Uh, she fish in Alaska, I found that the she fish in Alaska love the four inch gold minnow on a half ounce jig head in the deep current of the rivers. Worked really good. The biggest catfish I've ever caught, same thing, but a four inch gold minnow uh, on a heavier jig head tight to the bottom. 
so the four-inch bait can be a really good call as well. If I'm talking bass, walleyes, normal trout, res- you know, reservoir trout, they're anywhere from one to five pounds, let's say, uh, or one to ten pounds even, um, three inches is going to be where I'm at right there. If I'm fishing for any sort of largemouth or, or smallmouth, it's going to be a three or a four inch almost all the time. If I'm fishing for smaller than average trout or fresh stockers, it might be down to the two and a half inch goat minnow, at which point I tend to gravitate to the pink color one a lot. And I'm not sure why, but the little pink one, um, it probably has to do with the fact that salmonids, species in the salmonid family, their eyes tune into oranges, pinks, reds uh, more, which is why your Potsky salmon eggs are all dyed red. Salmon eggs are not red that color, they're dyed red because trout see it very well. So that's, that's the deal with that. So, but the two and a half inch goat minnow for smaller than average trout or brook trout, let's say, can be a really good call there. Um, even species like grayling that you wouldn't think about, very good on the two and a half inch goat minnow uh, without any problem there. So the bait's versatility is ridiculous. Um, sharks, black tip sharks we've caught on it, uh, cruising on the flats, bonnethead sharks love them. You can tar- target fish bonnethead sharks with them uh, on jig heads works really good. A, a, part, a key part of the versatility of a goat minnow and why I would pick a goat minnow over basically any other lure. Somebody's going to say, every time I've posed this question to people, okay, what's the most versatile lure you have? A lot of guys will throw out something like a spoon, uh, you know, a classic cast master, so to speak, something like that. Very effective lure, no question about it. One of my favorites of all time. Um, I throw a Johnson splinter spoon instead, but it's the same concept as a cast master. Uh, the limitation there doesn't look as real you're not going to get near the follow-up strikes with it you've got to fish it faster because of its weight if you don't it's just going to sink faster Uh, and i can only basically rig it one or two ways Um, i can still fish it vertically or horizontally so it's got some lures beat in that regard but it's still not as versatile as a jig Uh, and the jigs made even more versatile when you put gulp and something as realistic as a gulp minnow on it so a sprite would, or a spoon of some sort, I should say, would be a common thing that guys would throw out there when I've asked that question. I don't believe that it is as versatile as a goat minnow on a jig head. However, um, extremely versatile lure. Uh, another one that people will throw out there in a lot of cases are inline spinners. Great, fantastic lures. Don't have near the depth of versatility that the spoon or the jig would have. So by that, in and of itself, they're out. Plus, they have a vibrating spinning blade which can be your best friend or your worst enemy, depending on the scenario where you're fishing in. So important there. The, the fact that the gold minnow, or really any other straight minnowed body on a jig head for, for that matter, but the gold minnow I like because of the gulp and the ultra-realistic part of it, the beauty of it is whatever action it has, I gave it. It didn't come with any action on its own. Now, yeah, okay, it might spiral on the drop if you rig it on a jig head slightly off center, something like that. But day in and day out, whatever action that gulp minnow has, I gave it. So if I want to basically drag it on the bottom without shaking it or anything else, like I would a a Ned rig, fantastic, I can do that. Do I want to swim it with a rod tip down and a bunch of real fast jerks higher in the water column to where it's darting around real erratically? Yeah, I can definitely do that as well. I can hop it, snap jig it, let's say, up off the bottom where you let it go to the bottom and snap it hard up off the bottom and let it head right back for the bottom. One of my favorite ways to trigger walleyes or pike that are sitting tight to the bottom. You snap that bait up hard, it gets their attention. As soon as it rolls over at the top of the snap is when they bite it. Semi-slack fall back to the bottom. 
Um, you can also do what we call doing the Bernie or a stop-and-go retrieve where you basically point the rod 45 degrees at it, wind, hit the reel four or five times real fast, three times real fast, boop, 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 and then just kill it immediately. Don't move the rod, don't move the reel, just a real fast two or three, four or five winds in a row, depending on your scenario, and then kill it. And don't move the rod. The bait is staying on a tight line all the time in that scenario. So it's going to sink, kind of swim its way back to the bottom, but not nose diving per se like it does if you're snap jigging. You can also rig it slightly off center and make it spiral as much or more than any tube jig you're ever going to get. And a spiraling drop of a tube jig is borderline magic through the ice. Well, guess what? I can do the same thing with a gold minnow. Uh, when I do ice fish, which is not very much, and I suck at it, but uh, it's not my thing. I did grow up ice fishing. When I do do when I do go ice fishing, I've had most of my success fishing a gold minnow. Uh, even though I've tried the, the classic stuff, the tubes and, and bait and all the other stuff, at the end of the day, I can still always get some of the fish to go on a gold minnow, which is nice. Um, another thing that's really versatile about the gold minnow is I can nose hook it and put it on a drop shot. So if you're not familiar with the drop shot rig, it's, it's really most prominent in bass fishing circles. But in my opinion, a drop shot rig is way more versatile than that. And basically, long story short, all it is is the sinker's on the bottom. The hook is tied somewhere above the sinker in line with the line, not on a dropper. It's tied straight to the line, typically with a palomar knot. And then you're up to your line, up to your rod from there. And the reason that's important is it gives you fantastic depth control. I can set that sinker on the bottom and know that my, that my body, my gulp minnow body is exactly however far up I put it from the bottom. So in other words, if my sinker six inches below my minnow, well, then that's how far off the bottom my minnow will be. If my sinker 16 inches below the minnow, well, then great, uh, even better. It just depends on your scenario. You need to work that out on any given day. Uh, a couple quick things about drop shot and gulp. Um, I find less is more. The more I try to move it, the less fish I catch. Um, I do better with the really mild rod tip shaking or no motion at all. You, the motion of your boat moving around in the current or the waves, uh, even just a mild wind chop will, will be enough. Uh, to, to give that bait a little bit of motion. If you're doing it in a river, which works surprisingly well in rivers as well, because when you snag, you only lose your sinker. You don't lose your whole rig. And that can be really important. But the, the gulp minnow in that scenario, if a fish gets close to it, he's going to smell it. It's got the right scent. And again, it looks right and they'll pick it up. So a drop shot can be a really good way uh, to present a gulp minnow. And we do a ton of that on guide trips every year. It's also a really good way to catch walleyes. So I'll throw that out there. For guys that walleyes are sitting just off the structure, uh, a drop shot's really good. One of the beauties of a drop shot, too, is that you can feel the, the bait really well. Uh, there's no sinker tied straight to, to, to the hook itself. So if you lower the rod tip just a tiny bit and take a little bit of the pressure off of the line or the tension off of the line, so the sinker's sitting on the bottom and there's just a couple inches of slack, that bait can move around freely for one. Fish can get a good clean bite on it if they do come up and suck it. And the other best part about that drop shot is almost everything you catch is going to be hooked in the top of the snout or the corner of the mouth. It's very, very rare that you're going to get fish that are deep hooked. And so for that reason, it's one of the first baits I'll tie on for guys that don't know how to fish. If I've got a kid in the boat or a beginning angler or, or a wife that happens to be tagging along that doesn't really fish, if I can convince them to just trust me and put a drop shot on, we're going to catch them a few fish. And that drop shot, 99% of the time, has got a gulp minnow on it. So that's, that's a really important thing. The other thing is that 
Gold Meadow makes an excellent profile for a trailer on other things. For instance, a Johnson Beetle Spin. I love to modify a Johnson Beetle Spin arm. I'll get the biggest version of the Beetle Spin they make. I'll swap the round blade for a willow blade in a lot of cases. I'll upgrade the jig head in a lot of cases, but I'll put a gold minnow on there. Then I've basically got a super realistic, really good smelling spinnerbait. Okay. And if you've thrown spinnerbaits very much, you know occasionally you'll get scenarios where you get follows. Um, you'll occasionally catch other species, but not often. But guess what? If you make the modified beetle spin with a big willow blade and a three or four inch gold minnow on it, well, now I've got one that will turn lots of walleyes into biters as well. So if I get a windy day, let's say it's calm in the morning and I'm jigging my fish on on a gold minnow in the morning, it's nice and calm, the wind comes up, it's a lot harder for me to feel that jig. Plus, I can get away with fishing faster because of the wind. So I will take the same jig I've been throwing all morning, only now I'll put it on a beetle spin arm and I can retrieve it, uh, and I have the advantage of a spinning blade to help fish locate my lure. And in the windy, in a in windy scenario, it's a noisy environment for the fish. It'll give the fish a good chance to come find my bait a little easier by putting on a, on a beetle spin arm. Not something I'm going to do if it's real calm out because you can be too much. It can be too much action for the fish. Better to have the regular straight minnow. However, when the wind's blowing or the water's really stained, another good scenario, potentially in the dark, fish that are just feeding real aggressively, it can be easier to retrieve and keep better feel of the, uh, of the bait when, if you put it on a beetle spin arm. Or the other possibility is an underspin, a jig head with a little, little blade comes out the bottom of it. I think, I, I won't swear to this, but I think Roadrunners invented that. That genre these days, everybody, including my beloved Berkeley, produces some sort of a jig head with a spinner blade on the bottom of it, known as an underspin. Goldman is a perfect scenario to put on that bait as well. So, you know that that's my my spiel. The biggest key to the versatility with the Goldman is because I can fish at any depth range. I, I've caught lake trout at ninety plus feet of water with it. Um, I've caught, you know, fish right up in the surface in, in no water at all with it. Uh, so I can fish it vertically or horizontally or any hybrid thereof. I can produce it in sizes from one inch to three inches on jig heads or drop shots or even wacky rigged. I've even thrown them with no weight on them at all with a nose hook in them on a fly rod uh, just to really blur the lines up between fly fishing and, and conventional fishing. Take a gold minnow and thread it on a straight shank hook and throw it on a fly rod. It's incredibly effective in running water. Just trust me on that one. So, um, you know, you can really just do a lot of stuff with it. And the fact that it's water-based resin, uh, even if a fish swallows it, it's no problem. It's going to break down a bunch faster. It's not going to be toxic to the fish. And uh, and you're not going to have that issue. You're not going to have a bunch of it that lasts forever on the bottom of the lake like PVC does um, from a traditional plastic worm or something like that. So I really love the gulp for all of those scenarios. And, um, yeah, okay. The liquid can be no fun. Get yourself a liquid bait locker that, uh, it's made by Plano Molding Company. Uh, gulp is color fast, so you can mix and match colors. Just the biggest key is don't put any colors or anything in there that is not uh, gulp. You don't want to put PVC of any kind in there, anything like that. Only gulp. As long as you put only gulp in there, you can mix and match colors, shapes, sizes, saltwater, freshwater gulp. It's all fine. It will all be perfectly happy together. 
Don't let your gulp freeze, because once it freezes, it'll never get as soft as it was before. And try to keep it from getting over about 100 degrees, because it is biodegradable, and uh, in that scenario, it'll get yucky. So that's my gulp minnow spiel. You guys, if you go to our YouTube channel at Fishful Thinker, there's tons of different videos with gulp on there, gulp minnows. Um, lots of videos on our TV show over the years been that way as well. And uh, as always, uh, we appreciate you following us on Instagram or Facebook at Fishful Thinker on both of those. And, and the YouTube channels at Fistful Thinker. So thanks, you guys, for listening. This has been Fistful Thinker, the podcast.